power on. The following is a presentation of the Sovereign Tech Podcast feed. And now for another fast-breaking news story, we go to our roving reporter. The podcast, Sovereign Tech. Its host, Dr. Brian Sovereign. The tech giants try to stop Sovereign Tech. They can't. The man of tomorrow is here doing an episode that I didn't think I'd ever be doing. And what I mean by that is an episode about a completely new version of Windows. Now, is that the truth? Well, we'll get into it because <laughs> we're talking about Windows 11. But the golden standing, the man of tomorrow, Savzu, the rated R radio star, the podcast champion is here to talk about it. Um, Windows 11. So... <laughs> The official release, uh, I think initially, I think they said it was going to be October 6th. Then it ended up uh, being October 5th or wait, no, or did it drop on Monday ahead of time? It dropped on the 4th, and but the actual release date was supposed to be October 5th, which is a strange date in and of itself to have a new version of Windows come out. Um, I mean, the, the past few times... Uh, or at least I know like windows seven and windows 10, both of those came out in late July. Uh, granted windows seven was in 2009. Um, windows 10 was in 2015. So we're six years out from that. Uh, windows eight less said about that, the better <laughs> it is the version Wait, look, windows eight is the version of windows that I just completely skipped. Um, if you put like a windows eight computer in front of me, I mean, sure. I guess eventually I could figure it out, but you know, I, I just go cross-eyed when, when I see it. Um, I stuck with windows seven throughout that entire situation. Of course, you know, my main machines generally run Linux or a version of BSD anyway, but that said, I mean, and I, and I've talked about this many times on sovereign tech. Um, I always have to keep a windows machine around. I just do. There's just, there's software that I've been using for decades. Um, and, and not only that, I mean, you know, there's, there's some gaming aspects to it all as well. Um, and I don't necessarily mean gaming on the windows PC, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, also, you know, like there's so much windows software that specifically, uh, powers say a lot of, uh, retro consoles that I play, you know, um, like there's like ESR for PlayStation two games, uh, you know, and, and other things. But there's, you know, some degree of PC gaming to to consider as well um, that, you know, I, I just find myself needing a Windows machine. Granted, I keep it incredibly limited, right? I keep it in its place and I don't do anything that actually fucking matters on it. And when I say fucking matters, I mean, you know, something related to my own personal security and privacy. Anyway, I completely skipped Windows 8. Uh, otherwise I've used, well, no, that's not true because I also rarely used windows 98, even S E. Um, and, and I never really use millennium. I went from like using windows 95 to 
you know, d- d- bumping right up to Windows 2000, which probably my, still my favorite uh, overall was Windows 2000. And the reason being was that, you know, through like the late 90s, um, you know, I, I was a Mac guy like all the way. Um, I was, I was rocking G3s, G4s, you know, the iMac G4 cube, uh, greatest, you know, next to the Commodore 64 greatest computer ever made. So I skipped a lot of the, uh, the bumpy road, um, that I think Microsoft went through in trying to get, you know, their, basically their NT kernel, you know, trying to get their, their new technology, right. Their NT kernel, you know, from windows 95 to an actual, like really usable and beneficial, uh, implementation that you'd end up with really ultimately XP. And then you kind of go up from there. Um, Vista, you know, (laughs) well, this is going to play into what we talk about with windows 11, but point being is that I've, I've used a lot of different versions of windows over the decades, which I can't believe I say that now, but it's the truth, but we're certainly a long way away from windows three, one you know, which is kind of where I started my, my windows journey on my 386. So how does windows 11 uh, stand up in that long history? Well, that's what we're going to get into here. Um, I've had some time uh, with windows 11. Uh, I had been using um, what you would call beta versions or insider versions um, of windows 11 ever since they were available. Okay. Uh, on a separate machine. So, you know, it's not like I've only spent a week with it. I'm very familiar with it. And in a lot of ways, what was made available just what three months ago did not change much or, you know, there was very little change between that and what everybody had available to them come October 4th. And we'll just say October 5th, uh, you know, to be official about it, but it was available on the 4th. Now, if you're in the Sovereign Tech Telegram group, I kind of already gave my thoughts uh, on Windows 11. Um, I know there have been plenty of people who have been reviewing it, uh, certainly, and, and, and a lot of people, boy, their tirades have been, <laughs> frankly, instant classics, uh, in my opinion, like from Paul Therott, who I, I enjoy his work. Um, so you'd know if you were a part of that. And of course, if you want to join the Sovereign Tech Telegram group, link is in the show notes. Uh, but before we get into what I do think of it and my, like my full on review, I mean, I only gave like a hint, uh, or, well, I did say matter of fact, what I thought of it, but you know, I didn't like go into grand detail in the telegram group. Um, but before we do that, let's talk about the specs that the, the final specs, because these were, these seem to be like shifting, changing over the past three months when we initially got the announcement, um, that windows 11 was going to be a thing again. Remember this was announced in June of 2021, June 24th, 2021, and then released, you know, beginning of October. Um, so the final spec sheet for windows 11 is as follows, uh, processor one gigahertz or faster, uh, with two or more cores. They so got to have a dual core. Um, on a compatible 64 bit processor and, you know, or, or, you know, an arm, basically SOC system on a chip. Um, of course, this is kind of like a a new thing where I think with both, I don't believe windows 10 required a, a dual core. Um, in fact, I know it didn't because you had a 32 bit of windows 10. 
uh, or, you know, a 32 bit version of it. And there is no 32 bit version of windows 11. So for a lot of people, you know, that, that might've been seen as a turnoff, uh, needs at least four gigabytes of Ram. Um, of course that makes sense. Why not? Because if it can only run on a 64 bit processor anyway, um, I mean, most 64 bit machines do stock come with, you know, four gig of, or, you know, four gig of Ram if you buy them anyway. I mean, I know like the Athlon 64 has been around for fuck what, 13 years, you know? Uh, so, and that was at a time when even one gig of, of, of Ram was high, uh, you know, I wouldn't say that every 64 bit system has four gig of Ram, but that's not unexpected. Uh, even, you know, a cheap $200, I don't know, Asus L203 is going to come with four gig of Ram and a multi-core processor. Uh, so storage 64 gig. Uh, so that's a bump of course from windows 10, which I think required 32, uh, that's fine. Uh, the main reason for that, of course, has to do with, you know, updates, uh, especially big operating system updates where that kind of space is required. Um, you know, that, that makes sense. The average EMMC today, I believe is around 64 gig. Usually, uh, we're certainly well beyond the 16 gigabyte EMMC hard drive days, you know, even in low end machines. So again, no surprise here, uh, requires a UFI, no BIOS. Okay. 64 bit chips. We got it. Um, secure boot capable, right? And then that speaks directly to what has been the most controversial, um, requirement system requirement. And we're going to talk about this later as to why I think this requirement is here, but you need to have TPM version 2.0, that being trusted platform module. Now, again, this has been a fucking fiasco <laughs> ever since June that this was going to be your requirement because a bunch of people were like, wait, I don't even know what the hell that is. Does my computer have that? And then it turned into where, you know, like there can be, uh, uh, essentially like, cause a TPM is a physical module, but there can also be like firmware versions of that or for firmware versions that kind of, uh, 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 I don't want to say emulate because it's not emulation, but that, that can act, uh, you know, on that TPM in, in my opinion is bullshit, but we'll get into why I think that requirement is there. Uh, I mean, to make matters worse, like I'm reading you the official requirements for windows 11, um, to make matters worse, Microsoft themselves came out and said, yeah, okay. If you don't have TPM 2.0, you can still install it. You know, like, so, so what's the point, right? Um, and that seems to be true for some of these other requirements. It's like, well, okay, we're saying this, but you could still install it. And, and we are talking about minimum system requirements, but again, even Microsoft is admitting that these are somewhat, uh, bullshit. Now I, when the announcement dropped for windows 11, I did record an episode, um, in June covering the announcement and everything that was talked about then. So you can certainly hear my thoughts at that point and some of my predictions, um, but anyway, I, I, I do have, I don't, I don't want to say that my opinion is terribly different from what I thought before, but, uh, if it is different, it's probably in the negative. <laughs> not, not that I was positive at the time, but well, anyway, so the TPM thing we're we will talk about that. Okay. Um, graphics card compatible with direct X 12 with, you know, WDDM 2.0 driver. Okay, fine. You know, whatever. I mean, and, and most like uh, you know, Intel, uh, built in 
you know, not not even like Intel Graphics UHD, just a, an Intel Graphics HD uh, shared or, you know, integrated uh, graphics processing, uh, you know, as compared to like a dedicated NVIDIA card or something, you know, that's going to do that job. So that, that's not that, you know, that's not a big deal. You know, most computers can can handle that anyway. Um, but the display was another area that I actually talked about. Um, when I did the recent uh, review, not not it was a review of a model, but of the the idea and what we know so far um, of Valve's Steam Deck, uh, is that the display now they're they're not giving you a like specific resolution like you know number by number like it's not thirteen whatever thirteen sixty six by seven sixty eight or whatever that is uh, now they're just saying it's got to be seven twenty p, but they're still holding on to that nine inch diagonal requirement, which when I talked about the steam deck, which uh, I had mentioned in other episodes I've recorded, uh, I was amazed at the um, response that I got to that episode and a lot of it negative, uh, people really want the steam deck to, to be a thing. And that's fine. You know, uh, I I think I got misinterpreted (laughs) in, in a lot of what I was saying, um, on that. But this still holds true. They are saying, so sure, the Steam Deck has a 720p screen. Okay, that meets Windows 11 requirements. But the 9-inch screen, oh, no, no, no. It doesn't meet that. Um, anyway, that maybe I'll talk about that more later. But this 9-inch screen deal is is what's it's very odd to me. And I'm sure it's easy enough to maybe get around just the screen can scroll and you could put in like a specific driver to allow for that. But I, I wouldn't. That would be a really piss poor experience uh, for me. So, the you know, Windows 11 with these requirements was not going to run on my GPD micro PC. OK, um, because that has what, like a six inch screen diagonal. Right. Which I like, um, even though it is 720p. So the final version of Windows that came out, which how Microsoft is rolling it out is if, if they think, whatever they think, if they think that Windows 11 is ready for your computer, you know, and all the hardware you have attached and everything, which of course, you know, Windows knows, just go to system about and you can see it. Um, then they will give you the option to download uh, Windows 11. They don't really force it on you. Good. Uh, they give you the option. Um, I went seeking for it. Now, no matter how many, it used to be like with windows 10 updates that you could just like hit check for updates a couple times. And, you know, eventually they would treat that. They, what Microsoft officially calls you a seeker as in you're looking for the new version, then they would offer it to you. Even if it went against what you could say, are there, you know, hardware recommendations uh, or configuration recommendations. That was not so much true as far as I've seen with Windows 11. Um, so I had to go to, and and if I think of it, I'll put the link in the show notes for this. There are links in the show notes that I'm going to put in that'll be helpful if you do decide to go forward with Windows 11. Um, but if I think of it, I'll put this here. Uh, and that is, you know, I had to go to Microsoft's site, get their uh, installer, you know, that, that, that will help you create, um, well, it'll do a couple things. It can help you create a bootable image to do a clean install of windows 11, or it will, you know, do the update for you outside of, you know, the updater built into windows settings. 
Um, that's what I went with is where I just had, I did not do a clean install. I had it upgrade from windows 10 because I wanted to see how wrong could this go. So to be clear, um, Microsoft did not recommend that I installed this, you know, on, on this machine. So I have it installed on an Asus laptop. Uh, it's a, I'd say it's a mid grade laptop. It's not a high ed Zen book. It's a vivo book, which is kind of their, kind of their, their mid tier. Um, it has, uh, an eighth generation I five specifically, uh, an Intel I five, uh, U. So that's a quad core. Um, it does have 12 gig of Ram in it. That's as much as I can put into this thing because one of the, uh, Ram chips is soldered in. Uh, and it has a, uh, Sam's, a Samsung, uh, 970 Evo, um, inside of it, as far as a hard drive, 512 gig. So just so you know what I'm like playing with here, uh, fi wise, I mean, it does not have wireless AX or Wi-Fi six as they call it now. Um, but it does have AC or Wi-Fi five. Um, I am running windows 11 home. That is what it automatically updated me to, because I guess I was running windows 10 home on this previously. Uh, now that brings up another requirement that isn't on, uh, Microsoft's requirements page. That is if you are using the home version as compared to a pro or enterprise version, I mean, there's a million SKUs for these things, but if you are using a home version of windows 11, at least for the first time that you boot up the computer, you have to be logged into a Microsoft account and you have to have an internet connection. That's outrageous. Okay. <laughs> like, like, I mean, that, that's just stupid on so many levels that that's a requirement. I don't care if it only needs to do it once. Okay. A computer should like, just in my opinion, a desktop computer by definition should not have to connect to the internet ever. Okay. Now, of course, as I do, you can set up bullshit Microsoft accounts, right? That aren't attached to who you are in any real way. Okay. So that's an easy way to get around this. If you have windows 11 pro, um, you can skip, uh, the Microsoft login, uh, part of it, as well as the requirement, um, you know, to, to connect to the internet at least once, uh, with the computer. Now, the reason that I think Microsoft is doing this, is it to get some kind of identifier? Um, I, again, there's never one reason for anything in life at all. Okay. Really? Like, like there's never just one reason. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't know, maybe there's situations where something that occurs does come down to one reason, but usually, you know, life is quantum. There's, there's, there's a, you know, plenty of, there's at least more than one reason why something is happening, gets done or is chosen or, you know, enacted, whatever. So I don't want to say that there's only one reason why Microsoft is doing this. I don't even want to say that it's necessarily nefarious. That's kind of that, that, nefariousness comes from perspective, I think here, but I'll give you two reasons why I think that this is a requirement for home users. One is to track how many installs there are. They just want to know how many installs there are. Okay. Uh, I don't necessarily think it has to do with like being able to, you know, install windows 11 on five machines using one license key or anything like that. Um, I don't, I don't think that that's necessarily the situation. Um, I mean, I also think that most people 
will at some point, yes, they will connect their, a windows machine to the internet at some point, like they're just going to. Okay. So, you know, I, I think they wanted, especially early on, I think Microsoft wanted like really impressive numbers to point at of how many devices installed windows 11, say in 2021 and 2022. And this was a way of verifying that. Okay. Um, and they probably do want to know the specs of the machine that you're using, that you installed it on. But that is somewhat of an investor play, right? That's to like impress investors and, and whatever else. So I think that's part of the reason that they did that. Okay. We could, we could say, oh, I mean, and I get it where people would want to say that it's nefarious. Oh, it's for tracking. It's for this, blah, blah, blah. Uh, if, if they really wanted to do tracking, they could just say, you, you know, that like that, that it requires an internet connection, you know, so many times, um, a year, right. That the, the tracking thing doesn't really make sense to me. Look, there's plenty of nefarious shit that Microsoft does plenty. There's horrendous shit. And I mean like horrendous, horrendous, horrendous. I mean, you know, they support the military, they support ICE, they support the government, they support police, you know, with like even predictive crime and shit like this. Like, I mean, there's plenty of terrible things you can point at for Microsoft. So I'm not trying, I'm not taking any, you know, making them look like a good guy in any way. I'm just saying, I don't think this has anything to do with tracking you. Okay. Um, or at least not tracking in the like anti necessarily like anti-privacy or what are they doing in the, you know, kind of way. Um, the other part of this comes down to that hardware scanning again, you know, making sure that you are, you know, knowing whether or not you have TPM and this gets into insurance specifically cyber insurance, but maybe even insurance in general, we need, we're going to save that conversation for later, but I want you to know that I think this is part of that schema that we will talk about later. So it's dumb. If you can skip it, skip it. I like to install Windows without a, um, you know, for many reasons, I like to install Windows without a Microsoft account. Um, but, you, you know, so if you can, great. If you have Pro, great, you know, do it without it. Um, should we be able to buy a version of Windows that, you know, maybe is more privacy respecting? Of course we should be able to, but it's not going to happen. Because the data and metadata of your machine is just it's, it's too important and valuable to Microsoft and their, you know, their present operations. But anyway, I don't think, you know, and, and so I want to take a second here as well. I don't think the TPM requirement has to do with selling new PCs either. You know, a lot of people are on that train that windows 11 is all about selling new PCs. I don't buy it. I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. Um, I mean, it could maybe be one of the reasons, but it's only one reason. I think that there are, uh, just like I talked about, I think that there's an investor play here, which is true for new versions of operating systems across a, you know, multiple device classes. Like why does iOS come out with new versions of iOS or why does Apple come out with new versions of iOS? Why does Google come out with new versions of new versions of Android? One of the major reasons they do that is to appease investors, to make it look like they're doing something. Okay. Even though you know, because look, here, here's the thing. And, and this might even be key to a lot of what we're going to talk about with windows 11. One of the most important concepts for anybody today in modernity is that it is possible and not only possible, but incredibly common that we innovate in our industrial society. 
that we innovate beyond perfection, that we may have already achieved in some technological classes uh, a level of, uh, you know, of, of perfection, of what works best for the individual, for the, you know, for the task, uh, for whatever, you know, the scenario. But because we, you know, or not we, but because there is in the economy, in the market, there is this belief that you have to have endless growth. Everything has to keep growing uh, and that, you know, to get more um, or to keep money from investors and whatever else you have to show like you're doing something. Um, you end up the incentives are to innovate for innovation or like to quote unquote innovate because it's arguable. Is it even an innovation if you've already gotten past perfection? But to use the conventional term to innovate beyond the point of perfection, to just keep innovating, quote unquote, innovating, to just keep, uh, you know, making changes, but you're doing it for, you know, for changes sake, not for what is actually innovative, what is actually helpful, what is actually useful, what is actually beneficial. This is incredibly important to understand. Okay. That, and, and, and this happens all the time you know, in the 21st century, in the 20th century, it was happening, you know, where we innovate beyond perfection. And is that a problem? Absolutely. It is. So understand that there are a lot of things done, developed, released, put upon you, especially in the tech world that have more to do with appeasing investors than in appeasing, uh, uh, customers or consumers. Okay. Or users. And you may say, well, wait, Stallion, isn't what's best for the consumer ultimately what appeases the investor and what is best for the investor because that allows for adoption and growth? No, no, not true at all. Because most of these investors, believe me, I've talked to them, uh, most of these investors and, and I assure you, many of these CEOs, uh, think you're, you're an idiot. They, they think you don't know what you want. Okay. And so they, they have to tell you what you want. And again, before you think, well, I have choice though, and I can get what I want. Can you really go buy TV without smart features? Yeah, you can do it, but good luck. You're certainly not going to be able to go down the street and you're going to be digging for a while on Amazon. And it's also probably going to be a couple years old, at least that television. So no, you can't get what you want. The, the market, I'm not saying it's a freed market, but the market as it is will force things on you or force choices on you. Anyway, let's get back to Windows 11, um, which, you know, speaking of choice again, and, and I'll give you my final verdict later. Uh, you don't have to update to Windows 11, frankly, ever. Uh, I mean, Windows 10 is officially supported until 2025. In my opinion, I think that that number is going to go up. <laughs> I think Windows 10 is going to get supported uh, probably until 2030 at least. So um, anyway, so I did put Windows 11, the final version, on to make sure there was no confusion that if I ran into any issues that, you know, it's not a beta, you know, it's it's not an insider, you know, version, whatever, um, on, on my Vivo book. And how does it run? Frankly, perfectly. Uh, again, I wasn't, it wasn't offered to me. It wasn't like somehow this was forwarded. I mean, if anything, you know, this computer is at least a couple years old, you know, that just by the fact that it's an eighth gen, um, I five, uh, but 
I have run into zero issues, no data loss whatsoever. I kind of feel like the battery life has taken a hit, has taken a dive, but that may not be true. Like that, that's one of those things that, that could be a flaw in perception on my part. So, uh, you know, I don't really have the, uh, uh, you know, any, any, any hard metrics, you know, to be able to say that, but that's just something that I feel, but everything works perfectly. It really does. But is windows 11 perfect or is an, is it an innovation beyond perfection? Well, yeah, it, it's an innovation beyond perfection. Uh, not that I'd ever say that there was any version of windows that was somehow perfection. Um, again, my favorite version has been windows 2000. Uh, I gotta tell you <laughs> after spending time with windows 11, um, unfortunately, oh, this is a pain in the ass, but I wanted to install windows seven on, uh, on one of my lower end, uh, machines, just one of my little spare, like 11 inch, uh, uh, laptops. And reason being, like I said earlier, there's just that software or just that game or whatever that, you know, that, that really only runs well in windows and no, I don't know how many times I have to say it. I am not going to run them on a virtual machine. Not. Okay. That's not how I roll. And I don't agree with, you know, the idea that, well, it's, it's supposed to mathematically perform perfectly. It never fucking does stop that. Stop recommending that to me. Okay. Moving right along. Um, but you know, spending quality time, (laughs) uh, that's not saying windows 11 is quality, but spending quality time with windows 11, made me want to install windows seven. Unfortunately, I don't have any hardware old enough that, that windows seven could still get installed on. Right. Uh, you know, and I even tried custom versions of windows seven that have, uh, you know, like USB 3.0 drivers built into them for, you know, modern computers and everything. And I already knew about that. There would be this challenge and it's something I have not been able to, uh, surmount. Um, I may have to, you know, get my hands on, uh, like an older netbook or something, uh, to be able to do this, which I would be totally fine with. But if you wanted my like quick review of windows 11 and in some ways windows 10, uh, (laughs) using both, uh, some over the months, other over the years has inspired me to go back to windows (laughs) seven. Before we get into the nitty gritty Uh, of windows 11 and you know what i think of it what are the pros what are the cons and so on and then maybe my overall review even though the windows 7 comment i think kind of says it all but what makes that up um let's take a quick break and i'll be right back with uh, my full review of windows 11 Woo! Hey, is Sovereign Tech not enough for you? Well, let me tell you about something you'll never get enough of. No, no, I mean it. We're talking about a radio show and podcast that goes all night long, seven nights a week, three hours a night, 365 days a year, and has been going since the early aughts, baby. I am talking about none other than Free Talk Live. It's the show you control. That's right. It's an open phones call-in show that is ready for you. And if you're worried that your voice isn't going to get heard, 
Don't be. We are talking about the only libertarian radio show stateside. And not only that, it's also the number 26 talk show in the United States. Start listening now and go ahead and hit that massive back catalog at freetalklive.com. The Golden Stallion guarantees a good time, and you might even find some episodes with me on them when you do. That's freetalklive.com, and we thank them for sponsoring Sovereign Tech. Let's get back to the show. All right, let's really get into it. So, like I said earlier, on the uh, 8th Gen i5 Asus laptop that I installed this on, I have run into no issues. Uh, in fact, frankly, I you know even throughout Windows 10's uh, Windows 10's history, you know there were there were constant reports with every update that there were you know massive failures, and and they're real, like they they happened, and the data loss totally inexcusable, right? That occurred. What was, was that last October? Was that like the H one twenty uh, uh, update or whatever? Anyway, I never experienced any of those issues and it's not like I have, you know, some grand laptop here. Uh, this is a very run of the mill uh, laptop. You know, it's not a Microsoft, you know, it's not a surface laptop. Um, it's not a Lenovo, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's nothing terribly special. So I'm not really sure why I've never run into issues with Windows 10 and as well as with updating to Windows 11. Again, I updated out of cycle. I, I don't know. Uh, it, it's. I mean, does it come down to that? I just know how to use a computer. <laughs> like I, I'm not sure. And I'm, I'm not blaming people for having issues with Windows. I'll blame Microsoft all day long. Okay, I do have some sympathy for the devil in that, as I've said many times, you know, Windows in general, forget the version, you know, is really like the Swiss army knife of operating systems. And that that is no mean feat, uh, you know, to achieve, to handle all the hardware and everything else that, that Windows, you know, takes on and has taken on for decades and has largely kept backwards compatibility with other than, you know, where, where Vista really like killed a ton of, a ton of hardware, um, and libraries, you know, there, there really is software from the nineties that I still run on windows, which is amazing anyway. So windows 11 ran into no issues whatsoever. As far as, you know, uh, um, uh, I, I want to say functionality. That's not the word I really want to use though. Um, you know, I just haven't run into any errors with the operating system. Okay. Because where I really want to use the term functionality is in what is windows 11, uh, capable of, and how does it work? Now, the real story around windows 11 isn't so much about new features. And this is the part that's mind boggling to me. It's more about what they've taken away. And the, the amount of little things that they have removed. And I don't mean it's like Vista where they removed like, uh, you know, the ability, like I said earlier, you know, the ability to run certain printers or, you know, certain hardware or whatever, anything like that. No, I mean, functionality within the operating system that they've removed. And like context menus that have disappeared. Um, just lots of little things that you just can't do with windows 11 or are more difficult or more time consuming. Uh, 
to, to do with Windows 11. It's so strange. I mean, the choices made here, I, I can only call bizarre. Uh, and it's bizarre in that there's, there's really no good reason to not leave the options available for power users. I get it that you want to make windows 11, you know, more, uh, uh, user friendly in ways or more recognizable to people perhaps, um, that have come to, you know, ha- have smartphones really dominate, um, what would traditionally be called computing, you know, in their lives. So you want to make it a little more smartphone esque. Okay. I can get that, but to not like at least offer the option for people to make windows less smartphone and more like windows as we've known it for decades is just damned strange. Uh, I mean, really, really strange to not even give people the option. And there are equally baffling UI decisions. Um, but let, let's, let's break down in, into some of these things because these really get into the issues, um, that I have with windows 11. We will talk about the new features. It's not all bad. There are some good new features here. There are some, in my opinion, worthless new features here. Uh, but you know, we'll get into all of that, but I really, I'm going to start off with the negatives, uh, because this is the most important information because I think for a lot of people like myself, it's going to really kill your workflow. Now there are some solutions and I'm going to talk about the solutions. I'm going to link to them for you. Okay. So that you can implement these as well. Uh, but it, it's just, it, it's unbelievable that, that, I mean, I've never had to do these sorts of things with any version of windows in the past. Never, ever had to go with like third party. Uh, uh, well, okay. I don't want to say never like with windows 10, what, what was there was a, it was a classic shell or something like that, that it was called, but then the the developer, it was to fix the start menu to give you the classic start menu. Um, and, but then the guy, because you know, windows is doing windows as a service and they had the two major updates a year. He had to like completely reprogram classic shell every, you know, twice a year. And for him, you know, for what he got out of it, cause he offered it for free. It, it just didn't make any sense. Uh, you, you know, for all the, all the coding he had to do to, to, to make that a reality. Um, so, you know, I did do it with that. I'll admit to that. But even then, you know, the windows 10 start menu, I learned to live with it, right? Like I, like I made my piece with the tiles and I basically just turned them all into, you know, shortcuts. Uh, and frankly, it got to the point where like now with the windows machine, there are so, you know, five, six programs, maybe even that's generous, but five, six programs that I would use on it. That's installed locally. And I'll tell you what I mean about that that's installed locally that like the start menu didn't even have to really, you know, be a part of the program as it were. Now, when I say installed locally, I'm referencing that a lot of software I run off of portableapps.com. Okay. So I run it off of a flash drive or SD card, you know, depending upon the form factor of the computer I'm using. Um, and that way I can just carry my, you know, apps, my software anywhere I go. And I don't have to reinstall it on a new install of a machine. And I'm just like up and running, you know, my web browser, uh, even though web browsers a little bit different now, but then, you know, the way that web browsers can kind of sync automatically, uh, like when I use brave, um, you know, that that's not so big of a deal. You install brave and you log in and boom there, you know, you're all set. 
but a lot of other software that I use um, that can work portably, uh, you know, that way I'm not bother. I'm not wasting time reinstalling everything, you know, because when you do a fresh install Windows, I mean, for me, it used to take me like two days to get a computer up to snuff. And I mean, like lots of hours in those days, uh, you know, to, to do that. And that, that's, that can be significant downtime, especially in my workflow and what I like to get done, um, on a computer. So using portableapps.com uh, is, is a great solution to just run all of that software, you know, off of, uh, off of a, you know, a flash drive of some kind. And it gives you a completely custom start menu that you just open from the right instead of the left. This still works beautifully with windows 11, by the way. And if the start menu in windows 11 is a major turnoff for you, um, you know, like, like this, this is the, th- using portable apps.com is one way to resolve that. Okay. That will give you a classic start menu. Like you've been used to in windows, frankly, since windows 95, uh, even though you can make it look nicer and whatever else, but you know, the, the concept hasn't really changed there, which I applaud, um, because you know, they got it right <laughs> almost 30 years ago, or, you know, about 30 years ago. So d- don't mess with it. Right. <laughs> don't mess with success, but they decide that they have to. And, you know, let's, let's start talking about that. Um, the windows 11 start menu. So now it's centered on the taskbar. Um, and we're going to talk about the taskbar. That's another major issue, but now it's centered on the taskbar. And when you open it, all the, I, I mean, you, it's similar to what happened with windows 10, where there are all of these, um, what's there's, there's a term, it begins with a P of, of, of uh, where there's apps listed. Like when you open it up, okay. When you hit the little start button, which, you know, has the four windows, doesn't look that much different from anything else. Just now it's perfectly squared and we're, we're back to the windows one logo in many ways. <laughs> no, but, uh, um, when you open that up, it instant, you know, it, it brings up like this, like an app drawer, just like you, you expect say on an Android device very, very similar. And of course that's on purpose. Okay. They really are trying to emulate, um, that smartphone experience with windows 11. Um, I don't like that. Like I want, you know, a traditional start menu that has like, you know, different sections and options and everything, but it's easy enough to get used to. And you have room depending upon your screen size for, I don't know, you know, 10 to 10 to 15, whatever, um, uh, you know, app shortcuts that you could put in this start menu, which is again, really just an app drawer. Um, and, and that can work fine. The problem is, is that what I was going to mention, boy, why can't I think of the word? Anyway, there are just like in windows 10, where you had like candy crush and you had a bunch of other apps that were like suggested. Some of them were already installed kind of like candy crush. Uh, there, there's a lot of crap in the start menu that, you know, like you think, wait a minute, they, they automatically installed Facebook messenger. And when I saw that at first in the app drawer, uh, or in the start menu, <laughs> I'm going to end up calling it an app drawer. Uh, when I saw that at first, uh, I was livid. Like, I, I mean, I was absolutely fucking livid because I thought, wait a minute, that means there are Facebook cookies, Facebook bullshit pre-installed on my windows machine. Unacceptable absolutely unacceptable. Mark Zuckerberg ain't getting any tracking cookies on me, baby. 
He's not getting anything. And of course, what you find out is when you click on it, no, it's not actually installed. Um, it's just set there, you know, like it's on, it, it, it's in the start menu and it won't install until you click on it once. Well, here's the thing. Anything you want to get rid of, you know, don't, don't left click on anything, right click on everything and get it uninstalled. Okay. Uh, because, and, and it's kind of a pain in the ass cause you really, it doesn't, there's no real way that it signifies until after you decided to install it, uh, what is pre-installed and what is not. So there's a lot of cleanup to go through on, on the start menu, but that's all there is. You know, if you think back to windows seven, where in the start menu, um, you'd have like, uh, uh, you know, options to go to different folders, right? Like your documents folder, or your downloads folder, or you'd have control panel or devices and printers, like all these really handy shortcuts, um, you know, to get to the, uh, uh, the settings and nitty gritty of, of the operating system. Um, you know, all that stuff's gone. I mean, it was kind of gone with windows 10 to, in a way it was just a little more off to the left, which was never intuitive, uh, to have those like four icons on the left-hand side. Um, but you're not getting that. All you're getting is, is again, essentially an app drawer. Now underneath these, uh, app shortcuts that you can put in the start menu is a recents area. Now this is a complete waste. And if you've read any reviews of reviews of windows 11, I'm sure you've heard other people say this and talk about it. And that is Well, all right, here's the first thing. So, you know, having a recent apps or recent documents, um, uh, uh, you know, menu on the start menu is not new. It's been there. That, that kind of thing has been around forever. Here's the gaff with windows 11. You can't turn this off. Like that would be, that used to be one of the first things that I would turn off in windows. And I mean, ever since I was a teenager, it'd be one of the first things I turn off. Why? Because back in the day you used to, uh, you know, it used to be the family computer right now. Everybody's kind of got their own laptop or not everybody, but a lot of most people, I, I, and if I'm wrong about that, I'm so sorry, but you know, it just seems that way. Um, and like the idea of the family computer isn't so much of a big, big deal. Right. But, you know, for, I would say since 1980 to, I don't know, maybe 2000 or so, or 2003, uh, you know, most people, you know, were sharing a computer, not everybody, you know, had their own. And, you know, I wouldn't, I mean, you know, as a teenager doing bad things, <laughs> according to civilization, uh, I wouldn't want you know, anybody else that's going to get on that computer to see what the last thing was that I was, that I was writing, um, or that I was doing or that, that I, you know, what software, like I didn't want anybody to know. And so that's always the first thing I'd be fucking turning off. Um, it, it's the, the fact that this key, I mean, you can kind of keep it from telling you, but you can't actually get rid of the menu itself of recents. And it's just wasting space. This is one of those weird UI decisions. Like why, why can't I get rid of that and have more room to show more apps? Because overall, I mean, the concept of an app drawer, you know, it's not a bad thing. Like it, it works. Okay. Like you can get used to that and you could put what matters. And, you know, we're at the point today where, you know, most people or especially people, what I'm 40. So a lot of people in my generation, age age range, et cetera, uh, you know what you're going to do when you get on a computer, right? Like it's not so, unless you're, especially on windows. Okay. I mean, if Linux may be a different story, but with windows, it's not some grand new frontier where, Ooh, what software can I install today? That's going to completely change my life. That 
that ship has sailed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what you want to do and you do it. And so, you know, this start menu could work for that. I'm not saying that it couldn't. Um, I think it's bullshit that, that there are a lot of things you can't pin to it. Uh, but well, you can pin control panel, you can pin these things, but they, they, I mean, they act just like other apps. It's not intuitive, but you can get used to that. Okay. And the idea of it being in the center instead of to the left side, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second, but bottom line being is that you, you have, so even if you got used to it, you still have this waste of space with recent documents that you can kind of turn off, but you can't get rid of and, you know, recapture that space on the start menu, which makes no sense. Uh, I mean, I, I like, I, I really, it's, it's one of the dumbest things on here. I mean, believe me, it gets worse, but, but that's one of the dumbest moves. Now, as far as it being in the center, I could get used to that too. And when I was, you know, doing a lot of the beta testing, I got used to it like that, that. That's fine. And I understand why they do that because they expect windows 11 to be used on a lot of different form factors. Some form factors like surface computers that Microsoft themselves are putting out there. Others could be more for tablets and other things um, or something that's becoming very popular. And I actually think it's brilliant too, is taking ultra wide monitors and making them vertical instead of horizontal making them vertical and using the computer like that. Uh, that is a brilliant way to get work done. I mean, you wouldn't think of it. And at first it looks very strange, but then when you've got like, say a video up top and then your work below it or something, and, and you know, you're kind of consuming both of those, uh, your eyes seem to, to, to take things in a lot better in that vertical space as compared to looking across the giant horizontal nature of, you know, of, of an ultra, you know, a 21, 21 by nine monitor. Now, if it's curved, that, that might not work so well, but a flat 21 by nine monitor works really well in the vertical position. If you've never tried it, I recommend it. Um, Windows 11, you know, does great with that, with that set. And, you, you know, then this idea of the centered start menu uh, plays well with that concept. I mean, you know, again, by turning your monitor vertical, that's kind of buying into the three by two or, or the, 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 the ratio, the three, two monitors that are becoming popular on laptops, um, because they're great for web browsing. And also it does kind of feel like a gigantic fucking smartphone, you know? And so windows 11 start menu operating like a smartphone makes sense. Or, you know, it, in that sense, you know, it, it's intuitive. Okay. Or what you're used to anyway. Um, so the start menu being in the center, not a big deal. Do you have the option to move it to the left? Yes. Did I move it to the left? Ultimately? Yes. I want windows to operate like windows has for decades. Okay. Now that's a personal choice. Um, I'm just saying that I don't think it being in the center is like a total deal breaker. Um, the, 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 here's the two parts that are weird, right? One is you still have, um, the system tray. So, and if you're like me, you may have a ton of shit in that system tray and I never want it hidden because I'm usually looking for notifications from the system tray, uh, you know, and, and, and so on. Um, so the system trays there and you have all those things showing up from the right. And if you have enough apps, because maybe you can't fit them all into the, uh, you know, into the, the new, uh, windows 11 start menu. If you have enough apps in your taskbar, you know, that are pinned to the taskbar, 
it gets to the point where your taskbar is loaded with icons from, you know, from side to side. So, you know, as much as you can get used to it being in the, the, the windows button being in the center, like it, it kind of doesn't make sense eventually <laughs> because if the idea was to make it a more intuitive, uh, centered selection, you know, uh, of, of what you're trying to get done, you know, with, with, with pinned, uh, you know, pinned items on the taskbar and everything, eventually your, you know, your, your taskbar is just filled. And I think that negates this, this whole idea, uh, because the start menu, you know, since it just looks like another, you know, icon, a pinned icon, um, it gets lost in the shuffle, you know, it, like, and, and, and you can't, you know, you have to like look for it as to where, when it's a start button, with very dedicated space off to the left-hand side, there's a lot of intentionality that goes into it. And it looks so different from everything else, um, you know, on the taskbar that there's never any confusion. So I, I feel like there's an intuitiveness lost in this whole concept of having the start menu in the center and, and having the start button, you know, just look like another icon and just like be another part of, you know, like a, uh, you know, just lost in the crowd on the taskbar. It really doesn't make sense in that regard. Like I said, I, I get it from like a tablet perspective and the, you know, the idea of like changing what form factor you're looking at windows with and everything. Um, I really get it as far as that goes, but ultimately I think it, it's a fail, um, to, to, to have it set up that way. Now, what about the taskbar itself? Here's another area where uh, th there's really nothing good to say here. There's nothing good to say about the taskbar. Okay. Like I could say some good things about the new start menu where, okay, well, it can work and you can get used to this and everything. Uh, but they just completely flubbed the fucking taskbar right down to the way that it looks. All right. No correction. There's one thing I'm happy about and I'll tell you about it. Ironically, this is one of the things that I've heard other people complain about. Um, so with the taskbar, okay. Uh, I mean, there's, there's elements that are, are, that are a little weird about this, but again, overall, I really like this one feature removal. Most of the feature removals away from windows 10 and really windows over the decades, uh, have been annoying in windows 11, but this is one that I approve of. So now with the taskbar, instead of having this, there used to be this little notification like square bubble thing, um, in the right hand side. And that would bring up all the notifications. It bring up a lot of the quick settings, you know, like nightlight, airplane mode, all, all of that jazz. Okay. That has kind of been split in half. Um, well, okay. So what has happened is the notifications that say you would get from an app that you have installed, like say an app from the Microsoft store, those now appear atop of the calendar, which is, you know, still accessed by, um, you know, by, by clicking on, on, uh, on the clock, right on the right hand side. So now when you can still get notifications, but they'll show up on top of the calendar, which a lot of people think is kind of weird and unintuitive. Uh, I disagree. I think because a lot of the notifications that people are expecting are notifications, you know, from their calendar. Right. And so having it atop your calendar makes some degree of sense. Um, I hated, 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 maybe not at first, but eventually I hated notifications in Windows 10, that little bubble. And to make matters worse. 
Okay. Here, here's, here's where the big difference came in. Okay. Um, so, oh yeah, sorry, real quick. So the quick settings now appear where, uh, Wi-Fi, you know, like the, what shows the Wi-Fi strength. Um, so your network symbol, the volume symbol and the battery symbol on the system tray on the right hand side, that all now brings up your quick settings. And that's also where if you have audio playing from a, a web browser, that that will show up in the web browser. Now that's an improvement too, because I used to, I hated in windows 10 when you'd get the, you know, play pause, you get the media controls essentially, you know, it, it, with, with the volume button. Okay. It'd show up in the top, not, not the bottom right where the system tray is. It would show up in the top left and it would end up covering half of what I'm seeing. Cause it's huge, right? Cause like the media controls were massive. So they shrunk the media controls and they put it, uh, as a notification that persistently sits, uh, you know, on top of the quick settings that you can bring up way better implementation, just infinitely better implementation. But that's not the thing that I love. What I love is that now when you put on what's called focus assist, windows 10 had it too, where you can like turn off those notifications in windows 10, when you had focus assist on, you would still get, even though it wouldn't ding and it wouldn't bring up a little pop-up of what the notification was, the little white square in the bottom right of the system tray would still fill in and be white, letting you know that there's a notification that completely defeats the purpose because you're going to see that the square fucking turned white and you're got filled in and you're going to want to look and say, no, I don't want fucking notifications at all. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. It's bad enough. I have to get them on my phone. Fuck notifications. They, they are literally killing the human brain. And I say that as in, in the Royal we of human, I mean, like it, notifications are just melting us like melting our mentalities. And I hated that so much in windows 10 windows 11. No, now it just shows a little moon on the bottom right hand side. I have no idea if there's notifications there. Uh, and I couldn't be happier. <laughs> like, that's such, that's such a gigantic improvement. Um, it's such a small thing, but massive improvement. I hope they don't change their minds about that and say, well, we'll fill in the moon anyway, when you have a notification, it's like, no, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. <laughs> right. So, you know, the fact that you can really turn notifications off and not see any visual signal of them at all and, um, repositioning the, uh, the media controls. I think those are two brilliant moves for the taskbar and the media controls really weren't part of the taskbar, which is why I didn't say that there's actually two things that I love, but it just came up now that it's in there. Um, now let's talk about the taskbar more in general. So those are the two things I like. Everything else is horrible. <laughs> Everything. Um, so one thing is, is just the visual look of the taskbar. It's gigantic now, like it's thick. Now there's, there's a couple different ways that you can change this. And I'll talk about one of them, but it's not the ability to do that is not built into windows to, to resize the taskbar, but the icons are huge. The taskbar is huge where I'm used to setting everything to as small as possible because I usually have like my system tray is just loaded, you know, with important stuff, stuff that I want to know is running without having to open, you know, uh, um, 
task manager, right? But, and you can't even do that from the taskbar anymore either, which uh, used to be really easy to open up task manager from the taskbar makes fucking sense, but now you can't do that. Um, so, you know, yeah, like, like that, I always wanted it really small. Um, it's really big now. And that's taking up, in my opinion, some precious screen real estate, especially when you consider that, you know, a lot of people are falling in love with the three by two screen ratio in modern laptops because it allows you to see web pages better as to where, you know, what laptops being widescreen had more to do with movies and games, which for most people, I don't know how much that matters as far as computers go. Even people who love Netflix are often watching it on their phone. Right. So strange that, you know, Microsoft knows the most common format for a computer, even a tablet is 16 by nine. Okay. And, or even say it's 21 by nine, which is also becoming very popular. I mean, three by two is as well, but again, the most common are easily 16 by nine, uh, to take up vertical real estate is a huge mistake on their part, even when it's just millimeters. Now add on to that because, well, we could solve that. We could just put, you know, like with windows 10, we could just put the taskbar on the left-hand side of the screen. The whole thing, have it run like on Ubuntu, have it run along the left-hand side of the screen. <laughs> no longer. Another dumb removal. Uh, for whatever reason, Windows 11 does not allow you to move the taskbar. I mean, yeah, they'll let you move the start button back to the left, but you cannot move the taskbar. Uh, again, there are, are hacks around this. Okay. Reg edits that you can do and so on. Um, but, you know, stock, no, you're, you're, you're not allowed. Ridiculous. Why remove that? <laughs> it, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Now, um, some of the buttons that are by default turned on, you know, some of the little button icons that are turned on on the taskbar include uh, search and task view. Task view, I think, I think is fine. Like, I have no problem with that. It actually, it's a lot slicker uh, than previous versions of Windows that have had something similar uh, where you can see all the, you know, all the software you have open. Actually, it's fucking essential to have into, you know, in windows 11. And I don't think it's a good thing. It shouldn't be essential, but it is reason being you can no longer, uh, expand, you know, the, the window or the software you have open or whatever. You can't expand it on the taskbar to where it gives you a description. Like it's like a rectangle that takes up space on the taskbar to where it gives you a description of what the fuck is open. Now everything has to be icons. Now the icons can give you notifications kind of like your smartphone does on your home screen, right? Where you could see notifications, um, you know, like a little red number or something like that. You can get that in the taskbar, but you can't see, you know, the, like what it is that you have open. And this is, this is probably the biggest fail. Uh, one of, one of the two biggest fails in what kills my productivity and what I despise about windows 11. Um, because I, I mean, and look, I know they've been trying to make this a thing where you interact with the icon and not like the full, you know, rectangle that describes everything that's happening, you know, that describes what, you know, again, what window you, you know, what folder you have open, um, you know, et cetera. I, I really get that. Okay. Um, the inclusion of say for downloads on a web browser for it to be like a little, um, you know, a little line bar that, that fills in as something you're downloading is, you know however many percentage is going by. Okay. That makes it a little more palatable, but again, I know they've been trying to get everybody on this icons forever. I mean, I remember I've been doing this 
probably since versions of Vista, I would assume, uh, at least since Windows 7. But you could always, even though they wanted you to get used to just interacting with icons on the taskbar, you could always turn that off and switch it back to where you get the full view of what you're messing with. You cannot in Windows 11. And I, I think that's insane. Um, I'm sure at some point that's going, somebody's going to come out with a fix for that. We're going to talk about for a fix overall for the taskbar and for the start menu here in a minute. But that, that's that total fail, total fail, total fail. Next total fail. Um, so anyway, yeah, well, like I was saying with the task view, that's why you need task view because you can't really see what the hell's going on unless you highlight over an icon. And even then, I mean, then there's a little descriptor, but that's a, it's a pain in the ass when you're somebody that like, like me who transfers files a lot, um, has a lot of different folders open. Um, th this just becomes a pain, becomes a complete pain to deal with that. And I also don't like, um, I like being able to see notifications from a, you know, whatever tab I have open in my web browser and see the notifications from that tab. Um, again, you can kind of see them with the little one, but I want to see more of the specifics of the notification, you know, in, in the taskbar that normally when it was, you know, fully fleshed out, you, you could, you could see that, but no longer Just Um, next part. So, you know, when you're trying to maybe make these changes that you find out you can't make in the taskbar, maybe you're thinking, well, I'll just right click on the taskbar and uh, that'll have all the, the, the context menus and everything that I need uh, to make those changes. Nope. Now, <laughs> and there is no change for this. Now, when you right click on the taskbar, all it does is give you this little, uh, you know, little sprocket comes up and it says taskbar settings. And then you go into something that looks like the settings menu from windows 10. And then you can kind of hopefully figure out what the fuck you want to change, but there's not a whole lot you can do with the taskbar. Like it's almost a misnomer to call it taskbar settings because what settings can I change? Barely any. And of course, it, you know, it gives you like, uh, uh, you know, start menu options. Even those are pretty much non-existent, uh, that another failure. Where and, and this is something you'll learn as we go through this. A lot of Windows 11 is basically, for whatever reason, adding steps to everything that you're used to doing. Like you're adding a click to everything you're just used to doing with Windows. Uh, moving beyond the taskbar. So taskbar, massive problems there. Okay, moving beyond the taskbar. Here's something as simple as, say you have, you're on your desktop or, you know, as in, you know, the desktop on your computer, um, and you want to interact with a file. Maybe you just downloaded an album or something and you want to, uh, open it up and it's a RAR file or, you know, dot seven Z, which is a RAR. Uh, and so maybe you're used to using seven zip or something like that. Right. And you've got it set up. So that seven zip, this is how it was done. Even in windows 10, you have it set up where seven zip is part of the context menu. When you right click on the file, right on the RAR file, and you can just hit extract all boom, done in seconds. No problem. Now, <laughs> I don't get this. Now the context menu that comes up whenever you right click on any file or folder, uh, is incredibly limited and offers, there's two things that it does. The real annoyance is that you can get the classic, um, right click context menu that has delete rename, you know, and, and extract, you know, all that you can get that with all the software you have installed, you can get that by clicking on, uh, there's like a, at the bottom of the, 
of the Windows 11 context menu where it says for more options, click here, right? And then the original, you know, like the, the, the right-click context menu that we've known for decades will come up. So that's bad enough. That's adding a step, a completely unnecessary step. And you're, you're hiding functionality, which I think is always a mistake. What makes it worse? So like the common commands that you do with a right-click, uh, like say rename, copy, paste, delete, those are all still there, but you wouldn't know it at first. Because you look at it and you go, wait, where's copy, paste? You, you know, like it's because there's words of options of what you can do. And it's, it's not there. Um, where it is, it's at the top. And at the top, there are little icons that aren't the most intuitive, in my opinion. But there's little icons that represent, I mean, delete is a trash can, so that makes sense. Rename looks very weird. And then there's, you know, copy and paste, which copy looks like the two documents. It looks like a copy. So that one's not bad. Cut is there usually, uh, cut of course is a pair of scissors. So some of them are kind of intuitive, but like rename didn't necessarily make sense. And I didn't think the paste one made, made sense either, but they turned it into icons, no text. This is a, this is a problem replete through windows 11 is the lack of explanatory text of what you're doing. It's all icons. Again, they're making this feel more like a smartphone. I understand that. And ultimately, I don't even really have a problem with that. However, you should give power users the option to turn those, turn that off, turn that element of the UI off. There should just be where I can go into settings and I can say, I'm a power user check. And then suddenly, boom, every, you know, like everything that, that has been available in windows and that is available in windows over the decades should just appear. I should be able to move the taskbar. I should be able to, you know, blah, 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 blah. Start menu should go back to where there's a, a, you know, a lot of different options where it actually has functionality besides just being shortcuts. Um, you know, like everything should just instantly change at that stage. Okay. UAC should turn off. Uh, well, I mean, you don't have to do that if, if you want to keep, but, but you get my point is that there should be a power user feature where, okay, now when I right click on something, I do get the, you know, the gigantic context menu that I've spent a lot of time setting up with whatever software I want to be able to quickly, you know, uh, take advantage of the file I'm right clicking on. And, you know, really most of my complaints around windows 11 would actually be solved if they just had a power user option where I could turn that on and, you know, all of their new UI shit and everything just turns off. And look here, here's, here's what makes it worse. We know all this stuff that was in windows 10 is still underlying. It's still beneath everything that you're all the flourish you're getting in flash and flourish you're getting in windows 11. We know it's there. Why? Because you can edit the registry and holy shit, suddenly half this stuff can come back. For example, I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes. If you want the classic right click context menu to come back, there's an incredibly simple uh, registry edit that you can do. Anybody can do it. Um, and it's not, it doesn't damage anything really, even if you did it wrong. Um, you know, the, I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes for that, but oh, turn that on in a heartbeat <laughs> because, because the new right click menu is horrible, horrible. I mean, I'll tell you for the, the, the taskbar issues and the right click situation and, and really the start menu as well. Those three things alone, if you're fine with windows 10, just stay there. There, there is no, there is no great advantage to windows 11. There is no great advantage to windows 11. None. 
even the security, I, I don't buy it. I, I don't buy that Windows 11 is somehow inherently more secure than Windows 10. And don't don't tell me it's because of the TPM. That's horseshit. And, and I'm going to explain again. We'll get into the conversation around why the TPM requirement. I have a theory and I think it's actually a very broad theory it goes well beyond the tech world, but I have a theory on that. And again, it has to do with insurance. We'll talk about it uh, in, in a little bit here. Now let's talk about um, the file manager. This is a place where I don't think that the changes made uh, are, are that terrible. Um, like I actually like the different coloration for different folders uh, that, that that's not a bad touch. Most of the context menu that you're used to and wanting um, is all still there. You know, it's, it's really not that different um, than what you've dealt with since like windows seven. So not a, not a major deal there. Um, the dark mode for the entire operating system is still wildly inconsistent. Like it was amazing when we got dark mode in, in just the file manager in windows 10. Um, but the, the crazy part is that when you like, say you're transferring files from, you know, one folder to another, you still get that, you know, white, uh, uh, menu that comes up, you know, showing you the progress bar, right. And the percentage and that that's bright white. And it's like, wait, wait, <laughs> why isn't this in dark mode? <laughs> you know, it, so they, they still have not gotten, you know, system wide, uh, dark mode in the OS, uh, down yet, which blows my mind that, that really, that, that is not a difficult computer challenge folks. <laughs> like it's not a computer science problem. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know what their thinking is here, but wow. But really, I mean, the, the only issue I really have, uh, with the file manager, isn't even the file manager. It has to do with the taskbar again, because I can't see all of the windows, all the file manager windows that I have opened at once. And I should be able to see that. That's crazy. You know, like on my taskbar, I should be able to see that so I can quickly click between them. Um, man, I mean, when you've got the amount of USB drives connected to your machine, like I do, like th this is, this is insane. You know, that I, that I have to go through so many extra clicks you know, just to get stuff, very simple stuff done, like transferring files. Now that said, I mean, you may be asking, well, Stallion, I mean, d do you like your rounded corners? <laughs> you know, what do you think of the UI overall? Uh, overall, again, I don't have a problem with the look, the rounded corners, fine. The coloration, fine. The new icon packs that they use a lot. I actually really like a lot of those. Like I was saying, um, I, I don't really have any problem with that. Uh, you know, the lock screen even looks a bit cleaner. I'm, I'm okay with that. I mean, none of it's like changing my life where I'm like, oh, this is just so much more pleasant to use by no means, uh, do I experience that, but yeah, it's it, so, you know, form no real issue. The function. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it's just so weird to remove. Like, this is the first time I feel like windows itself has had functionality removed from it. And it's just, the, it's the dumbest move I've, I've ever, I, I think I've, I've seen in, in, you know, not just in operating systems and in, in the tech world in general, like windows strength. The reason people still use it is because it's, it does what it's done for decades. And now you decide to, you know, you don't even give people the option. You just completely remove this shit. It's so strange. I, I I'm, I'm dying to know what the, the, the only thing I can imagine is that Microsoft's thinking is, is all right, so we're going to remove features 
And then to make Windows 11 sound like this amazing fucking thing, in a year we're going to start adding them back. And hopefully by then people have forgotten that they used to even be able to do this, but now they'll think it's a new thing and they'll think, oh, Windows 11 is amazing. I mean, I got to believe it's a marketing play. I don't get it. Or unless they just don't want people to do wonderful things with computers or efficient things with computers. Baffled. Um, I mean, this is the worst move since like the ribbon. You know, whoever thought the ribbon interface was a good idea, they're, they're a fucking moron too. But this is such a mistake. Now, uh, Stardock, <laughs> which I can't believe I'm talking about that company. I mean, I like Stardock, fine. Stardock's been around forever. And you know, they make some great games. Man, Galactic Civilizations, here we go. But Stardock, I just, I'm just in awe that I'm talking about them in 2021, uh, really have come to save the day. And I say that with respect, like I said, really, I, they've done amazing things in the past. I just kind of figured that like a lot of the cool things that they did, Microsoft was actually copying and just making it a part of the stock process. But that is no longer true, right? Now the opposite is happening, it seems. And Stardock comes in to save the day. So for five bucks, this is the best five bucks you're going to spend if you use Windows 11. It's actually great for every version of Windows, but you know, I mean, for five bucks, it's, it's phenomenal. So what they have now, they call it start 11. Of course, they've had this for a while. They had it with start eight. They had start 10. Um, and then now there's start 11. What it does, it does two things. At least it will help you configure your taskbar to something that makes more sense. And, uh, it will change your start menu to a lot of different options. If you want the windows 10 start menu, it'll give you that. If you want the windows seven start menu, it'll give you that. No, it really will. Um, and in fact, if you want something that's a little more in between, it'll even give you that, which I'm guessing is what start eight more look like. Um, I have it right now. Start 11. I have it set up. It, you know, it shows up on the left hand side. There's my start button. In fact, you can customize your start button, which I, I always enjoy doing that. Uh, right now, I actually have an Autobot symbol there, um, which kind of makes sense because on the back of my computer of this Asus specifically, um, there's a giant Decepticon sticker on the back of the, of the laptop. So it, it fits. They don't have a Decepticon icon or otherwise I would want that. But anyway, um, so I, you know, I punch up, I, I hit the, the little Autobot symbol <laughs> and there is a start menu that I can appreciate a start menu that has uh, on the left-hand side has quick access to whatever I want to shortcut there on the right-hand side has my, you know, documents, uh, uh, folder link pictures, downloads. Um, then there's a nice link for universal applications. Uh, my computer is there, which is an essential link in windows because it is the quickest way to get to disk management to system properties, to all kinds of things, control panels, right under that settings, you know, the new windows 11 settings, which is kind of there with windows 10. Maybe it's a little bit better, but anyway, uh, devices and printers, default programs, windows tools. I mean, like I, I can actually configure quite a bit what shows up on the right hand side of the, of, uh, the start menu, but it's a functional fucking start menu. It's a start menu that does something that makes sense. So start 11 is great for having that. Um, then it, with the taskbar, you can actually resize the taskbar. There's a reg edit you can do too, but you can actually resize the taskbar so I can shrink it down with uh, start 11 and you can bring back the right click context menu um, for the taskbar as well, which is incredibly handy. Uh, so this is, I mean, just 
you know, if you didn't spend a dime on Windows 11, spend five bucks on Start 11 and, you know, whip, help whip Windows 11 into shape. Um, at first they had it out as a beta, uh, but they, they're up to like version 0.90. And now that has a lot of the functionality that you would expect and a lot of the extra features. And they're going to keep adding features. They haven't gotten to even 1.0 yet. Um, by 1.0, I imagine, I'm hoping that they will add in the ability to, you know, again, in the taskbar, completely show, uh, you know, like what folder you're in, the name of the software, you know, that you'd get textual context. Uh, and it's not just icons in the taskbar. That's my hope. Uh, but even as it stands right now, it is an essential purchase uh, to make Windows 11 fucking work right. Uh, so I, I love that. I'll put a link in the show notes for it. Um, really, Stardock absolutely came in and saved the day on that. I mean, another nice thing with the start menu. So like it can even uh, you can access a separate search. Instead of the search, because there's a search icon, there's search built into the taskbar, just like it was in Windows 10. And well, the weird thing is, is that if you have the start menu with the stock start menu for Windows 11, there's a search bar at the top of that. But when you click on it and start typing, it does this weird switch to the search icon and then into that menu instead of doing it natively within the start menu. Like why even put the start? Why even put the search button there in the start menu if it's just going to switch over. Like it really, it, it does mess with your head a bit when you do that as to where with start 11, there is a search box that works there and works only within the start menu and does largely the same functions and also doesn't bother to, you know, search the web, which I hate it when those, uh, I'm, I'm never going to use the taskbar to search the internet ever. And you get, you know, you lose that. And I say in a good way, you lose that functionality when you put in start 11 and it just, searches your computer, which is what it fucking should do. If I want to search the internet, I'll do that from my goddamn web browser. I mean, I'm just, I'm never going to do it because it's always going to be Bing that it's going to search with. And even if they did open up what you could search with, like they'd have to give you a more open search options because they're not going to put in like brave search isn't going to show up in my search button. And that's what I want to pop up, man. I just, while they're removing features, they really should have removed that. Uh, just, it's never going to get used by me ever. And I, I, I have just have a hard time imagining the purpose, the person who, who would anyway, though, those are my major pet peeves and they might sound like pet, you know, I say pet peeves, I guess they could in overall, it could seem like that they're just pet peeves as in they're little, they're not, um, like the, these, these, these things that, you know, the taskbar not having full view of, of, uh, you know, of the, the file manager, you know, or like the windows you have open, uh, not having that and not having the context for them, the lack of a, again, you can reg edit and fix this to where you can get the full right click context menu, um, for, you know, for files, but the lack of that. And again, the start menu isn't as big of a deal, but I still consider start 11 essential. I mean, I like, I didn't like windows 10 start menu either. You know, I, I only dealt with that. Um, but a lot of times what I, you know, again, I run portableapps.com, which has its own start menu on the right hand side. Uh, I got used to clicking on that and that still looks like windows seven. Hell, you can make it look like windows 2000 while you're at it. Um, so, you know, I always kind of ignored it, uh, in windows 10, but you know, now with windows 11, like it's just, it's a mistake. 
Like it's a UI mistake. There's just, it's, it's, it's really a mistake. I get why they're doing it again. Windows 11 is all about kind of smartphoneifying. Okay. The desktop. I understand. I just don't think that that that's a good idea, but good ideas, um, that are in windows 11. And there are some, okay. Uh, that I will bring up. I'll talk about the good things. Uh, setup process was a little nicer without Cortana. <laughs> that was great. Um, one of the big things that it does really well are the snaps and, um, docking. These are the features. And in fact, I, t when I reviewed the windows 11 kind of, uh, announcement on sovereign tech, uh, I talked about the docking feature. I said that that's the winning feature for windows 11 right there. I don't think it's enough to make somebody want to switch to windows 11, but that's, that's the feature that makes the most sense. Um, so docking, well, let me talk about the snaps first. So snaps, it allows you, what it does is so snaps is when, you know, you move like your web browser to the upper right hand side and suddenly you see like this, you know, like, like translucent window show up saying, you, you, which is, you know, windows hinting at you. Do you want to like make this fill up only the right hand side and then whatever else you're working on will fill up the left hand side. Uh, you know, it's, it's organizing to the maximum space of the screen, all of the windows you have open. This works finally works really well in windows 11. Okay. To where, and it gives you options, quick options on how you want to organize things. What do you want to be the biggest windows? What do you want to be the two small windows to the left and so on? This is very nice. I like that. Not a huge deal, but it's a nice addition and they finally got it right. And you know, and it really works. Um, there is a part of me that actually thinks a lot of the very strange, um, like right click and UI decisions, uh, removals made in windows 11 were to make snap layouts and snap groups work. Uh, I also think they may play into how you make, uh, because again, you're creating a standardized interface. Okay. Where no matter what kind of screen it shows up, everything's going to show up right. When you could, uh, you know, alter, the context menu, uh, the right click context menu on a file that would get in the way of that, right. Of creating this like unified way of things, you know, uh, the way of things that, that, that you interact say, uh, with the UI and how it looks. So I kind of wonder if that's behind it, but I, I, I still don't buy it. I still don't get it. Uh, anyway. So when you dock, because docking is the other part of this, the computer will remember the configuration of all the windows you had open and everything you had open will remember their placement size, all of that. When you pull the laptop away from say a second monitor and all that jazz. And then when you plug it back in, so it, and, and this used to be a real problem with, with windows and, and really second monitor situations overall, uh, where apps like even like VLC player, say you had that on a second monitor so that you could work on one and watch on the other. VLC would stay stuck on the other monitor, right? <laughs> Until you rebooted the computer, then it would come back to the main screen. But you're like, well, where the fuck did that go? Um, you know, it's still thinking that the, the OS was still thinking there's a second monitor and um, VLC should be open on it. You used to have to like, actually used to have to do it from the taskbar where you would right click, you know, to, to, to be able to move with the keyboard, uh, a window so that you could bring it back into the original monitor or into the main, uh, the main monitor, whether on your laptop or whatever, 
And I'm glad that that's not a thing anymore. That works brilliantly. Uh, in fact, I think I've even heard Paul Throt say it's magic. And I hate, you know, using that term for computers, but yeah, it's magic. Like it works really, really well, the whole docking uh, setup, which is in Microsoft's best interest based upon the hardware that they make. Um, but I, I still thought that that was, a, that was a great move and well done. Is it enough to want to go to Windows 11? Like I said, no, I don't, I don't think that that's enough of a reason to do it. Um, virtual desktops. This is something, another reason why you want to keep the task view button in your taskbar because you can set up virtual desktops and they do go so far as to where, you know, you, you can fairly well organize them to know that, well, yeah, that's like having a whole other computer by flipping through the virtual desktops. And the easiest way to flip through the virtual desktops is through the task view button on the taskbar. Um, that works well. I thought that was nice. So, you know, there's a lot of multitasking options here that windows 11 brought in and are not going to be, as far as I know, backported to Windows 10, um, but that are here that are winners. They're good ideas, and they're well implemented. Um, but again, it's not enough. Uh, the one thing that I think would make Windows 11 all the more exciting and might be worth updating to, you know, uh, an upgrading to, I don't know if I want to call it an upgrade. <laughs> it does feel just like a Windows 10 update, um, is not here yet. And in fact, it won't be here until next year, as far as I know. It won't be here until 2022. And that is the addition of Android apps via the Amazon App Store. Um, but, you know, there's a good bet you'll be able to add in other app stores, frankly. So, you know, the point is, is that more or less natively, or at least out of the box, Windows 11 can run Android apps. That is, that is really compelling. You know, no more having to install BlueStacks or, you know, anything like that. Um, but that feature is not here. So, you know, and I would argue that was windows 11's biggest selling point and, you know, like come for the multitasking, stay for the Android apps. Well, the Android apps aren't here, so don't stay. <laughs> and, and I feel like windows 11 is essentially pointless without that. That was the big move. And I, I don't get it. Like what were they thinking? You know, they know that that was the major selling point. Um, and if this is supposed to be as big a deal as they were wanting, you know, the new version of Windows to be, why not have that ready day one? I mean, a part of me is glad they didn't because, you know, this one of the things you, you the sense you get when you use Windows 11 is it feels incomplete. Like it feels like like uh, like a, a, a version point five of the operating system. And to be fair, I mean, it's only been in the wild to test for what, three months max. Yeah. They were testing it internally. I'm sure, you know, at Microsoft, but like with every, with the masses, with the unwashed masses, like only three months, fuck, this should have been announced a year ago, you know, and then you spend the time getting, take advantage of the, you know, insider rings and everything, take advantage of the insider builds. And, and then, you know, a year later you release it and bammo, but that's not what they did a mistake. I mean, launching this without Android apps was a complete mistake because, you know, most people just feel like, meh, meh, meh. I mean, that's the reactions I'm seeing is that nobody really cares, you know, about Windows 11. Like the, the, the hype machine is just not there. Now, to be fair, like, you know, Windows, like uh, Windows 7 was a necessity, right? You had to resolve the, the disaster that was windows Vista. So you got to get seven out 
And people were excited for 7 because they saw that it was fixing all the problems of Vista. Windows 10, skipping ahead. Windows 10, same situation. We have to fix Windows 8. It was, it was a mistake. And, you know, there's even a part of me that feels like Windows 11 is like slowly leading towards like Windows 8 again. Like they, they felt like Windows 8 was maybe ahead of its time, which I think an argument could be made for that if you're into smartphones. Um, you know, if you're into that kind of interface, again, on a desktop, I want a workhorse. I want to get work done. A smartphone setup is not going to do it like, you know, or a smartphone layout is not going to do it on my desktop. But regardless, it does feel like Windows 11 might be going there. Again, the use of so much icon, you know, iconography and, and, and so on. Um, anyway, Windows 10 had to come in and say, oh, no, yeah, no, we're, we're going to solve the problems of Windows 8. And so there was excitement around Windows 10. Um, Windows 11, there, there wasn't, I don't know that there was anything really to solve. I'm not saying Windows 10 was perfect. It wasn't. Windows 7 was. Uh, but there was nothing to fix. So that you could say that there's a malaise coming just from that. Uh, but then it turns into why do windows 11, right now I'll, I'll say this. Oh, before anybody asks about the widgets, just turn those off. They're a fucking waste. Don't they're, they're not ready. The tipping system's not ready. None of that shit's ready. Just like, just like the Android apps. I mean, the, some of the biggest features here just, you know, aren't, aren't ready for prime time, aren't even available. Uh, I could get into the whole Microsoft teams thing. I mean, that that's getting into, you know, insane levels where like now there's a Microsoft teams for consumers and there's a full on chat button again, turn, just turn all that off. You can turn it all off. I mean, I, I use Microsoft teams for clients and some other things. I don't think it's necessarily bad software, uh, other than it's Microsoft, but it's just cluttering shit up. And, Ultimately, I think they should have stuck with Skype, but that, that, that's a whole other conversation, but those widgets just kill them. <laughs> They're not doing anything. Uh, gaming features quick. I guess I should mention this, that they did port over auto HDR and direct storage, um, both which help with like load times as well as overall, you know, look of video games, um, that they've put in. And these were originally like kind of pioneered in the Xbox series, uh, X, um, you know, I, I've taken a, a look at those. I mean, those are, you know, like it looks like those are very nice. So if you're a gamer, you know, that's something that could really matter. But I just cannot believe that they're going to change your life, you know, from 10 to 11. So I don't even think that that's necessarily exciting. Okay. So there, t talked about all that because those are new features as well. But I don't know how much they do for anybody. And if you're like really screaming for that. Um. Why Windows 11? I think I th let's get into this conversation. I, I really think when that guy who was an employee of Microsoft, even though Microsoft never, you know, like uh, confirmed or denied what he said, when that guy years ago said that Windows 10 was going to be the last version of Windows, I think he meant that. I think Microsoft meant that. I think that was the narrative at the company. I think that was meant to be true. Now, whether it's because Windows 10 mobile failed, um, you know, I mean, again, there's never one reason that's probably part of it. I think another part of it, well, here's this. Like if they had planned on there being a Windows 11, why skip nine? 
Like there was no point to skipping nine. If you thought there was going to be another version, it made sense at the time. Okay. They're going to go right to windows 10. And yeah, I know the seven, eight, nine joke, whatever. Um, or 8.1 was actually nine. Like I, I get it. Um, but it wasn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, you know why, why, like if you, for it to go to windows 10 from eight to 10 made sense. All right, this is the final one. So we're going with 10 and that's it. And boom. And you know, yay. But if you knew there was going to be 11, like why, why go with the branding that makes it feel like the ultimate version of windows at that time? It, it really just didn't make any sense uh, that, that they somehow like, I really, really think that they were planning on windows 10 being the end of it. Um, like windows 11 doesn't even, it doesn't even sound like they, their marketing thinks so far ahead and it really does. You can, you can see it. I've talked about this many times, but you know, this is, this is a mistake. I mean, windows 12 would sound better. Why not skip, you know, go right to windows 12. There are just, there are a lot of oddities here. Okay. What I really think though, what I think is the main driver for why they decided to come out with windows 11 speaks to, uh, I mean, yeah, maybe they wanted to, you know, get more into like the, you know, kind of the mobile look for, for the operating system. I get that. That might just be an excuse for where they want to go. Maybe that's to get things ready. Um, you know, if they ever come out with the, what is it? The surface Neo or whatever that two screen, not the, not the phone, not the surface duo, but, uh, uh, the surface Neo that, that we know was in development. Uh, maybe it's getting people ready for that. Maybe it's so that, I don't know, maybe windows 10 mobile will come back and work on something like a, or, you know, windows mobile, whatever number will come back and we'll take advantage of like the duo screen or, or they'll rebrand Android, but they want a consistent UI look from desktop to smartphone, you know, like maybe, maybe that's part of it. Sure. I, I could see that, but I really think they could have gotten away with that with just windows 10, um, you know, without having to go to a whole other brand name or, or, or you know, a whole other, uh, uh, name for the operating system. Um, I think the TPM is the really big deal here and allow me to explain why this is a theory. There is some evidence to back it up, but you know, it's not like direct evidence to my claim, but this is, this is my theory. We are entering, we're we're already in it. We've been in for a while, but we are entering, um, the future, a future of rampant cyber warfare. Okay. And I mean, nation states going after and and other groups going after each other, um, you know, using, uh, 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 you know, zero day exploits, malware, go down the list using cyber warfare. Like we're, we're there. Okay. And sooner or later, you know, you're going to have where the everyday person really gets caught in the middle of that. I don't feel like that's exactly happened yet. Sure. Ransomware is happening and you're getting, you get the after effects of colonial pipeline, shutting down things like this, but I mean directly where there are going to be like massive issues and massive outages for consumers that's coming. Even if that doesn't come, it doesn't change my overall theory. Okay. I think that now part of the evidence I have quick, for this, for what I'm about to say is we know Microsoft is dealing heavy with what is really a new class, uh, 
um, of insurance called cyber insurance. Okay. And it like now it's a fairly new class. Like a lot of people are still trying to figure this out. And I know this for a fact because I've had to do uh, ghost writing about it and I'll, I'll leave it at, at that for major outlets. And, you know, ransomware isn't going anywhere, especially with cryptocurrencies being around, which also aren't going anywhere. So, and I'm not blaming cryptocurrencies for ransomware. I'm just saying that they, you know, they make it convenient. <laughs> so, um, the past few years with all these ransomware attacks has really lit a fire, uh, underneath the government. And of course the government and Silicon Valley are work, you know, work hand in hand. It's corporatism. And so they all have fires under their asses about this because they are shelling out millions, if not to the two now over the past 10 years, billions of dollars to municipalities, uh, and, and insurance companies, even to, you know, to, to private companies and so on, uh, to resolve this, like it is, it, it's costly and it's common and that's a problem. Okay. So what I think is going on here, windows 11 probably has a totally new EULA. I haven't deep dived on that. Okay. You know, end user license agreement has a totally new EULA. It requires TPM. Now, TPM, in my opinion, doesn't really do anything for security, but it is something that you could hold against a user or a company if they don't have it. Okay. Now, what what I mean by that? These new security requirements are not about actually securing the machine. They're about taking the onus off of, you know, taking the blame off of Microsoft saying, Oh no, well, look, I mean, here's the scenario. So you get a ransomware attack, you're using windows 11 and you call up Microsoft. Hey, could you fucking help us out here? Like we can't access any of our spreadsheets, blah, blah, blah. And they're going to say, Oh yeah, uh, let's, let's look at your machine. And they're going to say, Oh, you know, you don't have, you don't have TPM. Um, sorry, like you broke the user license agreement. We're not held. We're not responsible for what happened to your computers because your shit's not secure enough. Even though, again, like I said, TPM's bullshit. And that's why I think that Microsoft was basically like, oh yeah, you can still install it without TPM, but you know, and, and and they just kind of like said it, you know, really like, like under their nose and or under their breath. And I, I think that that that's what this is hinting at is that it's all about liability. It's all about, okay, if X happens to you, do I get, you know, do I get charged Y because you had lack of Z or W or whatever? You you get what I mean? So like, if you don't have TPM, you know, on your computer, TPM 2.0, then, you know, tough shit. It's not our problem. You know, you didn't meet the requirements that we that we laid out. And so, you know, like it's not even like claiming that you're using, uh, you know, an illegal version of windows or anything. It's, it's just flat out that, you know, we're, we're not, Microsoft isn't responsible for what happened to your computer at that point. And I think this is something that is growing, uh, this concept, this appeasement to insurance premiums, this appeasement to insurance companies. And I think this goes, this is something that I think is, is, is because look, 
with with everybody using computers now, whether it's a smartphone or a desktop, laptop, whatever, okay, the system can't control everything that's going on because it's just it's too big, right? You know, the, the interconnected world at this scale, you know, with billions of people having computers, uh, you can't manage that. You can't really control that. You know, best thing you can do as a government is, okay, you can shut down the internet, you know, and you can try and control things that way, but you're not going to control all the Linux machines. You're not going to control, you know, all the BSD machines. You're not going to control blah, 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 blah. You're, you're just, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to control all the windows machines even. And with that in mind that you can't control all of that, you also, you can't secure it all and you can't afford to solve all of the problems with it. And when you're entering or when you're in a future of cyber warfare, you know, you're going to be held liable unless you take actions and you set up, you know, little legal bullshittery like TPM 2.0 and say, Hey, we told you, you needed this. You don't have it. It's not our fault. Myself, I'm not so scared of cyber warfare. Okay. And I don't just say that like, because I'm a cybersecurity specialist. I, well, anyway, we don't have to get into that. I, I, that's a different conversation for another time. I'm not so concerned about that. Okay. I'm actually more concerned that we are not just not entering a future of cyber warfare, but that we're entering a future where insurance is really like the, 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 the governing force on the planet. Like I've said to you many times that, you know, why, why don't, you know, bombs get dropped in most parts of the, yes, again, there's still parts of the planet where they do, but in most parts of the planet, why don't bombs get dropped, you know, nonstop when there's all of the civil unrest going on all over the planet? Why? Because deep down, everybody knows everything's connected now, quite literally, you know, via the internet or whatever, you know, supply chain, you name it. And so nobody wants to really disrupt that, but you still get the, you know, cultural disruption. You still get the, you know, kind of the flow disruption, you know, that, that, that can happen even though you're not dropping bombs. So, you know, the convenient, really what it is not cultural or flow, but like it's the, and when I mean flow, what I mean is this, there is a disruption of convenience that happens that people get in arms about if Netflix doesn't come on right the fuck now somebody's going to get hurt. That's the way most people think. Okay. So because of, because nobody wants to like physically drop bombs, because if you take out the internet in one place, it takes out, you know, say, say in a war, if you take out the internet here, it takes out the internet, you know, on, on the enemy's side, it takes out the, uh, um, you know, the internet on the attacker's side too. So that's, that's unacceptable. You can't shut down the internet, right. Or theoretically. So you do cyber warfare where you just shut down elements, right? Where you make things, you, you know, you, you use malware and whatever else, a ransomware to make things, uh, to cause things to, you know, become inaccessible. Okay. But it doesn't disrupt your own use of, you know, this massive network as to where before, you know, in traditional warfare, when you attack the enemy, um, people died. Now, why is that important to bring up? Because in modern warfare or cyber warfare. Now the people who are affected by the actions of the attacker are still alive. 
Why is that a problem? <laughs> I mean, I'm glad, you know, believe me, I don't want, and I never want people to die. Um, but why is that a problem for, you know, the gov- for governments? It's a problem because before, you know, when Dresden gets bombed, well, you know, you, you don't have to pay anything out to anybody. You don't have to, you know, bring in like the repair teams right away or whatever, because everybody's dead. You know, yeah, you'd send in a medical team, maybe whatever, you know, and that costs whatever thousands and, 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 and you save some people perhaps, but like, there's no reparations. There's no like, uh, you know, um, there's no real rebuild fee, you know, all this jazz, right. As to where now, when, you know, life gets disrupted, now it's all, you know, electronic, but it disrupts things and the people are still alive. And now they go crying to town hall to, you know, the white house or whatever. And they're like, Hey, fucking fix our shit. And that costs money. So I think that as we're in this, you know, now we're in this realm of cyber warfare, um, governments and companies, you know, businesses, corporations, they can't afford cyber warfare as it is. And, you know, still make the promises to people that, oh yeah, we back up our product or we, you know, back up the, the, the infrastructure of our country or, you know, all this stuff. They, they can't do that. And so I feel like a lot of this is pushing people into directions, pushing people into areas where they have to front the bill for, you know, the, dealing with cyber warfare, which is why you buy a new operating system or a new smartphone or whatever. And if you don't, then you know, you're shit out of luck because we told you what you need to have to be covered by this company or by the government or whatever, and you didn't live up to it. I mean, I'll take this even a step further. I think this is a major driving force behind the vaccines. I don't necessarily think, you know, these, like the vaccines are malicious in some way. Uh, the regulation around them, like every single regulation about any goddamn thing is inherently malicious. Yes. But I think that a big reason for the push around vaccines is to create a series of requirements that you know, that take the liability off of that. If you don't meet those requirements, like, are you vaccinated? Okay. Then you can come into the hospital. Are you vaccinated? Okay. Yeah. You can come into the store or whatever, you know, like if you're not, then the government doesn't have to offer any kind of restitution. If something goes wrong, um, insurance companies don't have to pay shit, you know, even though they, they forcibly or used to forcibly take your money with Obamacare or whatever. Right. Um, like I, I really think that that's a big, big part behind this push is creating new baselines where if you're not in the baseline and keep up with the baseline, like you got to get your, you know, like the Pfizer CEO said, you've got to get your booster next year. No, no, not, not a month from now, next year. You've got to get another booster the next year. You got to get another booster and boy, you know, Satan forbid, if you ever don't get one of your boosters, suddenly your health insurance means jack shit or whatever. You're not allowed to go into here or you're not allowed to do this. It's creating a baseline of requirements that removes liability from the government and from corporations, from corporatism. That's what I think a lot of this is about because look, we can provably show how TPM 2.0 doesn't really do jack shit against, you know, uh, you know like a, a really skilled attacker, right? A really skilled malicious actor. The Pfizer vaccines, you know, now I think, what are they saying? That that the only thing it does is it, it, it helps you recover quicker and maybe will keep you from dying in the hospital, but it doesn't keep you from getting COVID. It doesn't keep other people from getting COVID. So like, what's what's the point here? If these things don't actually secure, 
you know, like with, with Windows 11, like if TPM 2.0 provably doesn't do jack, what is the point? Why make this a requirement? You know, if the vaccine doesn't do jack, what's the point here? What, you know, what, 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 what's the play? And I don't just think it's like rampant authoritarianism. You know, again, I really feel like it, it comes down to quite simply creating, uh, you know, or setting a precedent and creating a, uh, a series of requirements so that, you know, again, the more they, they, they put on you what you have to have and what you have to do. And this has been true forever in a lot of ways, but the more, you know, the more you have to have, it means the more that you can miss out on. And that means the less that government insurance corporations, whatever have to pay out, you know, for, for you to be respected as a, as a person. And, you know, a part of me really wonders, I know we're, we're way out of to do a review of windows 11. We're so far beyond that now. Um, but, but I'll bring it back. Don't worry. Um, but I just, I want to bring this up because I mean, everybody's wondering like, everybody's just, just shaking their heads. None of this makes sense. Why are they doing this? Um, you know, I, I, I know a lot of, and, and, and I've, I've had friends, you know, who are really into like anarcho-capitalism, whatever. And, uh, a lot of also anarcho-capitalist writers, you know, they would talk about how, oh, you know, the, the future's going to be a bunch of insurance companies. Like, yeah, there won't be governments, but there'll be insurance companies, you know, that, that essentially make things you know, cost prohibitive or, you know, there, there's varying ways in, in, in which they felt that these insurance companies would make sense. And there, there's a part of me wondering, I mean, look, the system is losing control. The system, the legacy system, you know, governments, traditional governments and so on, like the, these things are really, I feel like they are really losing control. And I mean, they're trying to hold on to it and, and slow down the process as much as they can. But the part that worries me is that it's really transitioning into, okay, sure. It's not a democracy anymore, but it's ruled by insurance companies that could be coming. And then maybe the end caps are right. Like, I mean, they're right about the economy tanking for varying reasons and whatever, and maybe they're right about what was coming, but where they could be wrong is that it's a good thing when maybe it's not. And, and that bothers me, you know, uh, because again, everything like Facebook, you know, with Facebook down, Everybody suddenly realized, holy shit, that is one fragile company as to where you wouldn't have thought that a few years ago. You wouldn't have thought that a few, you know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. That is a fragile company. You realize the entire legacy system, the entire civilization as we live in it is incredibly fragile. And you can't really secure it. So all you can really do is just, you know, if you're the, you know, they, them, those, if you're the powers that be within that civilization, within that power structure, all you can do is remove your liability, you know, to be able to stay in power and to hold on to whatever accounts for wealth, uh, you know, in your mind. So maybe that's coming, but I don't think that that's any better future than what we have. So <laughs> than what we're in. Um, but anyway, that, that, that's, I know I went like way out there, but that's what sovereign tech does. We get into the deeply philosophical, right? Um, and I think you'd be, you know, operating systems for computers are like, are, are such a backbone of civilization. Like, I do think that they speak to, you know, the pulses of varying elements of, you know, the humans that live in it and their desires. So I, you know, I, I think you can read into them a little bit as to what's going on. Is it part of a bigger play? Because again, you know, I mean, it'd be different if we were in the nineties and okay. Yeah. 
some people have computers, like maybe a quarter of the population has computers. And if they do, it's like eight people using them, you know. <laughs> uh, but now, again, everybody has a fucking computer, whatever shape it takes. And good luck controlling that. Good luck securing that. You can't. Not as a whole. So, you know, your, 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 your promises of you government needing to exist because you secure the people, you protect the people, you can't do that in cyber warfare. There's just no way. You'll, you're, you're, you're already falling on your face. So they remove liability. Anyway, back to Windows 11. <laughs> um, Windows 11. So, you know, what are my thoughts ultimately on this? Uh, ultimately, it's pointless. Ultimately, it does nothing that excites me. The one thing that would have been cool would be, you know, again, to, to have the, the Android apps um, and have them easy and a part of, you know, the, the, the infrastructure of the operating system. Yeah, I can install BlueStacks as well, uh, but to have it like be attached and, and something that like, you know, that's that's OS wide. Um, that's that's a cool thing, partly because that allows for. Um, you know, you to use your smartphone less, which I think is ultimately a good thing as well. Okay. So, you know, I approve, I, I like, I think that that's a fine idea, but then also it just goes to show windows 11 really just goes to show again, it's pointlessness. It goes to show there's nothing here that couldn't have been done in windows 10 and shouldn't be done in windows 10. And, you know, maybe, maybe what's going to happen is windows 12 will come around and they'll revert back to like windows 10 stylings. You know, maybe that maybe the people are going to be heard and that's going to happen just like what happened between eight and ten, what happened between Vista and seven. You know, maybe that's going to be the situation. It really does feel like every other version of Windows is bad, right? Like, OK, you got ninety five. The ninety eight sucks. Uh, you know, you get well that they suck for a while until XP came. I mean, you could skip ME, I guess. Two thousand was great. But, you know, you go to 98, oh, it's horrible. You know, you go to XP, fuck yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and then you get Vista, and then you go to, and it's like, oh, that's horrible. Then you go to 7, yay, this is great. You know, and it just goes on and on. Um, so, you know, it, it does feel like that, that, that could be true. And maybe it's because those middle versions are always pushing people to uncomfortable limits. And then Microsoft knows where to revert back. But... I think Windows 11 is very different. Even if that's true, Windows 11 is very different in that this is really like, I know Windows 8 did this to some degree, but really Windows 11 feels like they just removed so many features that have been a core part of, of Windows forever since at least 95. So this thing was just, it was a massive mistake. Um, and, and there's really no good reason for it. And don't buy the, the TPM argument is bullshit. And I think I laid laid out at least one possibility of what's what was behind the decision for that. But again, it really has nothing to do with security. It just has to do with removing liability. Um, yeah, if you're happy with Windows 10, stay there. Okay. And even better, if like you have a machine, if you're competent with a computer and you have a machine that can that can run Windows 7, you've never needed to upgrade. <laughs> <There's> no... <laughs> you got 64 bit windows seven. You're great. Uh, you know, you could say, well, but there's underlying security. Yeah. But if you know how to use a computer, you can resolve a lot of security issues just from that. Right. Like you can thwart most security, most malicious acts just by knowing, you know, how to engage the internet. So like I said, in the telegram group, windows 11, it's horrible. It's, just, it's horrible. You know, there's a couple of nice little improvements, 
Um, but frankly, like, you know, they have to do with multitasking, which I feel like is only going to appeal to a certain segment. Um, most of the additions are bad ones. And again, a lot of the removals were just bad moves. It's it, it just, it, it's horrible. <laughs> I don't even want to give it a, like a ranking. It's just horrible. So skip it if you can wait till windows 12. I don't know. You know, maybe just stick with windows seven and you got, I mean, we're not going to get, cause look, we're never going to, there is not, I shouldn't say never. There is likely not going to be some new software out there that will just suddenly, holy shit, this only runs on windows 12 or 13. And I just have to have that. I don't believe it. What do you do with the computer? I guarantee you the best software that's already, you know, ever that does what you want to do on your computer. If you're a productive person on a computer and not just a consumer has already come out and it came out 10, 15 years ago. So, you know, sticking with an older version of an operating system. I mean, and there's companies out there that will even like do updates for windows seven. You have to trust the company. I know that's a little bit of a roll of the dice, but that exists. I just, you know, we, the, the, I started off the show talking about how, how you can innovate beyond perfection. And I'm not saying windows was ever perfection in any form. Okay. But we've clearly long innovated past perfection in the computer space. Uh, and, and, and with, you know, I would say with windows, certainly we've, we've, we've innovated beyond perfection. Like it, it's what the hell are they doing? So I'm going to leave it at that. We've been going two hours. That's enough. We'll leave it here. Um, more sovereign tech to come. And I will see all of you woo, on the other side, hopefully not using windows 11, or if you are, Man, put, put, put start 11 on it now. And Stardock is not a sponsor, even though I'd love it if they were. But <laughs> we'll leave it at that. All right, see you on the other side.